Hello, everyone. Today we'll be talking about Palestinian artist Samia Halaby and why her retrospective has been cancelled, the Emmy Awards, our highlights and other favourite moments. And the first uh, Saudi Arabian opera, as well as Hamilton, which is making its debut in Abu Dhabi. This is Culture Bites coming to you from the National News. I'm Farah Andrews. And I'm Manjala. Hi. Hello. You're in the hot seat. I am. I'm basically Inas with less hair. Yeah. Shall we explain? Shall we explain? explain? Um, Inas is off uh, in Davos this Mm -hmm. week. So. Sounds like a magical place. It does. It (laughs) looks. Have you seen the Yeah. Amazing. Snow, ice. Yeah. Very Narnia. She's in a winter wonderland. Yeah. And so we've got you here. Yes, I'm here. I am the temporary Inas. You are. I'm very excited to be here to chat. Yeah. We're here to chat. We're going to chat more about things happening in the art world more broadly rather than just here in the UAE. Yeah. We're international today. <laughs> yeah, we've gone global. We've gone global. We've gone global. Shall we start with something that's very big global news? Mm-hmm. And that is the artist, not the artist. The artist. <laughs> the artist, uh, Samia Halaby. Yeah. So this is a very global story, but also very regional. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Samia Halaby is a Palestinian-American artist, art historian, scholar. She's big. She's huge. She's, she's amazing. Massive. She's massive. In your story last at the beginning of this year of the 10 artists mm-hmm. whose work had been auctioned for the most, she was listed She there. was there. She was number seven or six. I think yeah. she had two works actually Yeah, I was going to say she was in there more than one. Yeah, once. yeah. So for those of you who don't know her again, she's an abstract expressionist mostly. So she has these amazing paintings about color and shape and she's just, she's brilliant. So um, she was supposed to have a retrospective, yeah. her first in the her US. Her first US retrospective. Which shows her work from the 70s until present day. Yeah. And it's been on, been planned for three years. Three years it's been in the works. And it was going to be shown at the University of Indiana, which is where she actually studied. And mm-hmm. she's also taught there. So she's mm-hmm. it's not just a random institution. It's somewhere that she's very closely affiliated with yeah. and has had a connection. She's been, I believe, she's lived in the U.S. since the 50s. Yeah, 1951. since 1951. Yeah. 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 So it was supposed to open in Feb. Yeah. But then in December the 22nd, she got a call uh telling her that the show was going to be cancelled, um, which is because of the, the official line is that safety for the artworks. But in an interview that we have with um, Samia, mm-hmm. uh, she has said that she was also told that was because of her pro-Palestinian posts on, on Instagram. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because she has always been very pro-Palestinian throughout her whole career. She's Palestinian. She's Palestinian. <laughs> so she's been Full pro <laughs> Exactly. So it's not like she's been not very um, active about... This isn't a change no. in direction. This isn't a change in pace. And obviously there's been amplified conversation since... But for most people, it, it, this didn't begin... In, well... This didn't begin in October, full stop. Yeah. But the conversation didn't begin in October and this isn't like a changing gear for her. Mm-hmm. But So it's it's interesting. And also because of this, she has, she tried, she attempted to try and negotiate with the university to have the show anyway, but it wasn't a fruitful conversation. And so she and the curator of the show have decided to, they launched a petition, yeah. which so far has over 14,000 signatures to yeah. reinstate the retrospective. So it was in late December that mm. they were notified that it was going to be, um, it was cancelled. It was, I think initially a phone call, then it was like a yes. one word email, uh, yeah, one, one sentence, sentence email, email. Yeah. Um, that told her that the uh, retrospective was 
cancelled. And so then I think, yeah, like you said, they've been negotiating behind the scenes and then they went public with it mm. uh, at the end of last week. They spoke initially to the New York Times mm-hmm. and then they launched the, um, and around at the same time, they launched the um, petition for change, which has obviously been hugely received. Hugely received. I think they were surprised by how much how how it was going to be how how many signatures they got on yeah, it. Yeah, there's been. And I think in the interview that we have as well that she talks about how so much of the younger generation now are much more aware of what's happening in the yeah. region, and so they're more active and they're more wanting to sign petitions. They also want to you know add their voice to this kind of conversation. It's 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 sad and it's frustrating. The thing that um so yeah, like you said, uh, one of our journalists has interviewed her yes. in the last couple of days, and the story went up yesterday. Um, she says that they put up a good fight trying to like really like campaign for the retrospective, mm-hmm. which is like all you can do, I guess. Mm-hmm. But then the set, like one of the quotes from it that kind of um I found like pretty painful to read is um my whole life in the US as a Palestinian artist has been rejection. So this for her is like it's another blow, but yeah. it, that's what it is, right? It's not a surprise, but it's so... It's, it's so frustrating. It's, yeah. Especially because she's in her 80s and she is she's not only a well-known Arab artist, she is a successful, important, pioneering artist in the international yeah, art scene. Yeah, she's a well-known artist, full stop. Full stop, you know? It's not about, it's like an only an Arab artist. Yeah. And she recently had a retrospective in Sharjah last year that ended last year. And if anybody got to see that, you really see how expansive her work is. She's, she's painted a lot about Palestine. And what's really interesting is that this show was also supposed to express her love for the Midwest, which is where she grew up. Yeah. So it was wasn't specifically a show just about you know Palestine or the region. It no, was well, about it, it was about her. It was about her exactly. Um, so again, I keep saying this word; it's frustrating. But I think a great way for people who have who know of her work or have just heard of her work to support, obviously, you know, it would be great to sign the petition. But you know what? Google her work. Yeah. Download it. Um, post it on your Instagram. Like create more awareness about Sami Halabi and other artists from the region because I think that's the best way to combat these kind of things. We should say that the um, catalog for the retrospective was a collaboration between um, Indiana U- University, but also Michigan State University. And um, it was initially reported that the Michigan State exhibition was going to be cancelled as well. But it's been confirmed to us that that is going to go ahead um, in June. Yeah, that's good. So there will be, and that's um, a different, um, it's called Samia Halaby Eyewitness. And that's going to be at the Michigan State University Broad Art Museum um, in June. So there will be an exhibition um, in the US looking back at her work. Uh, but it isn't the one that was initially planned for next month. And I just want to add one quote as well that she said that I thought was like really pertinent. She said, um, every piece of press that we've received has been embarrassing for Indiana University. This show was supposed to express my love for the Midwest, but professionally, it's not the end of the world. And I think that's really important to remember that it isn't the end of the world. Just because she's had one canceled show, which was supposed to be her first retrospective, doesn't mean that Sameh Halabi's legacy is like over. You know, she's going to continue creating more work. And we, you know, she already has an amazing body of work and career behind her. Yeah, I mean, and also talk about like the high road. What yeah. a um, eloquent response and kind of like this does not make me look bad. This yeah. is this is all a reflection on you, not me. I am the bigger person here, the better person here. And just one more thing, 14,000 uh, signatures. That's amazing for any kind of pe- petition. So mm-hmm. it just shows how people, first of all, obviously care about arts and culture and they care about this issue specifically and cancelling retrospectives that have been planned for three years. And yeah. I think, yeah, that's like a good way to kind of sum it up. Yeah. Then we should, I think we should 
have a little chat about some more regional musical news. Yes, regional musical news. Interesting stuff because I learned something about this. (laughs) Are you an opera fan? I am in theory, but I have not seen uh, like an opera. Is Phantom of the Opera considered an opera? No, it's a Broadway musical, right? So I think it's a musical. Yeah. <laughs> so I love the I'm idea an opera of opera. If you that are? counts opera. Okay. Yeah, exactly. But um, as opera opera, I haven't really experienced it on um live, but on on screen, I've seen operas like on YouTube or whatever. And so there's <laughs> been big talk about the first grand opera coming out of Saudi. Yeah, which is really exciting. There, so I so it's called Zaka Al Yama. Yeah. Am I Z- saying that correctly? Zaka no. Al Yamama. Yeah, Mama. Yeah. Which I did not know about this fable. I didn't know about this fable either. And I kind of pride myself about knowing about fables, but I'd never heard of this. And everyone's like, you don't know this fable? Like, where have you been? So, You've been shamed. I've been shamed. You've been fable shamed. I've been, shamed. A- I've been, fable, I've been fable Arab shamed. Prehistoric, <laughs> pre- pre-Islamic Arab fable shamed. So then we're the first grand opera coming out of Saudi. It's based on this story. Do you mm-hmm. want to give us a bit of a rundown of the yeah. story? So I researched it and I asked some family members as well. And I was really surprised and interested by it. It's 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 quite a epic, kind of a gruesome tale. Are we doing spoiler alerts here? Um, I think it's a well-known I one. I think if it's so, a fable, we yeah, can so kind of it's fine. talk overarching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speak broadly. <laughs> so it's set in the pre-Islamic times about the suman called Zarqa, which translates literally to blue, blue. Like, I guess, but the female, feminine version of blue. So she had these, like, very intense blue eyes that could she could apparently see. It's, very, it's giving a lot of Lord of the Rings. She can see, like, f- sort of in distance of up to, like, a week. And sort of she had intense foresight, but she could sort of see people who were coming to where they were which were like three days away or a week away. And Someone said to me yesterday, this has been like historically confirmed, but I feel like that has to be quite a big asterisk because there's no historical confirmation that anyone was psychic. No, right? I don't, no. ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not just in the region, but, but like ever. Very intuitive people. Very intuitive, yeah. Very but much. I got confused because was she psychic or did she have this really good eyesight? Because she could see people, based on what I've read, she could see people in a distance coming towards their tribe. And so she could warn, like, these warriors are coming, like, let's prepare. Like, so that's so why I was a little bit confused Strong vantage, but I feel like surely not. If, it's, if this isn't just about a woman on a hill. No, it isn't. <laughs> I feel like there's also probably must be some psychic parts to it. Okay. And I yeah. use the Lord of the Rings reference because all the elves in Lord of the Rings could see, like, you know, miles, 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 you know, far away. And they could tell oh. things. That's why I use that reference. But... So the story is that she was always warning her people, like these people are going to come, these soldiers are going to come and attack us. So they were always prepared. But because her reputation was very like well known, these soldiers from a warring tribe had these movable trees Mm -hmm. or they created trees and they hid behind them. And so she would just see trees, but then they would move closer. And then she was like, oh, something's a bit off. It's quite a Trojan horse story. Yes, Trojan, yes. And also very Joan of Arkish because she was like, oh, these trees are moving. Let me like warn my people. But they're like, trees don't move. You're crazy. Like, this makes no sense. Like, we don't believe anything you say. And so then what ended up happening is that these soldiers came and they attacked her tribe and they killed her and pulled her eyes out. Always, so very oh. gruesome. Yeah. Okay. So very gruesome. I was going to make a joke then, but no, it doesn't make a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. No, please. Dark, dark humor is great. I enjoy, I enjoy a bit Not of dark humor. Um, so the opera is going to be staged from April 25th until early May at a yet-to-be-announced mm-hmm. location that I'm sure is going to be absolutely incredible in um, Riyadh. And the is an English opera singer who's taking the main role. She's called Sarah Connolly. 
I was reading up about her. It's really interesting. So she has sung opera. I was reading about her in our in our article on the National, and she has done lots of operas in different languages, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And so she was talking about she's doing training in Arabic and learning Arabic, but also really getting sort of immersed in the like nuance of pronunciation so she yeah, can get the yeah. pronunciation right which is really interesting isn't that an incredible talent that she's able to sing not only is she so talented that she's an opera singer mm. that's already one big tick yeah <laughs> but she can sing and perform in russian polish and czech and wow. now arabic and now arabic and what's so must be so difficult is that it's not just saying the words and singing and hoping you get the pronunciation out you have to like get the character understand yeah, what like each word acting means and emotion and yeah I could never. It is a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no. I think operas are supposed to be very dramatic. And this story has all of the makings of like melodrama, you know, war, no one believing you. Yeah, this like it takes like every box for yeah. a, a great opera. Yeah. And I think that is a very, that's like obviously one of the great tropes of opera, right? That it kind of um, it defies language. It's more than language. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just feeling and emotion yeah. and tragedy, mm-hmm. drama. Speaking of shows, hit Broadway Hamilton is coming to Abu Dhabi. Well, it's in Abu Dhabi, it's here. Mm. And I have interviewed one of the show's actors. So let's go to that interview and then we'll be back with our man about town. And now it is time for us to catch up with Jason Arrow, who is starring in the much-hyped, much-acclaimed Hamilton, which is here now in Abu Dhabi at the Etihad Arena. Hi, Jason. Hi, how are you? How are you doing? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. A little tired. It was a big show last night. So, um, but yeah, great audience. And so everything's kicked off. It. Yeah, it has. So we had our first preview last night and then opening night, um, official opening night is on Sunday. Ah, oh, okay. So you've got a few days run up into the big, of, big opening. Yeah, you know, a few, pra- few practice runs. But <laughs> um, And how long have you been in the UAE? When did you get here? We got here on, oh my goodness, the time zones. Um, we got here on Saturday uh, last week, I think. Oh, thank yeah, goodness. Saturday so you've night. had some time yeah. to acclimatize. We have, yeah. I mean, we did get straight into rehearsals, but we have had a chance to, you know, get into um, get into the flow of things and get onto the clock, you know, as I like to call it. <laughs> Nothing beats jet lag like hours of musical theatre rehearsals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As you would say. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so you've been touring Hamilton for a little while internationally, right? Uh, yes. So the uh, stock we had before this was Manila. Um, and then before that was the Australian um, touring production, um, which was just uh, local to Australia and New Zealand. Um, and yeah, so I've been a part of the show since then. So um, for near on three years now, actually, once it hits March, it'll be three years. Ah, so you're well versed in the show. So how would you yes. how would you describe Hamilton to people that who have been living under a rock, I guess, and haven't seen the incredible <laughs> hype? <laughs> um, Hamilton, I guess I would describe it. It does shift over the years. I mean, um, it, honestly, it's changed so much um, from you know my own personal viewpoint but I guess generally speaking I'd say um Hamilton is not what you think it's going to be I mean you instantly assume it's going to be just about politics um which is not the case it's about um that's a vehicle in the show used to um uh, go into the life of Hamilton and how his relationships with other people affected his life um it's a lot more about um you know his connection with his 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 uh, partner, his wife um, Eliza, um, what she did for him, um, what he did do for America, but um, and also his relationships um, coming up to power in America that you know ultimately led to 
um, his his end. But um, and that's not giving anything away. It's revealed in the first five minutes. FYI, <laughs> um, no spoilers. So no I'm spoilers. Not, I didn't here. give anything away. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, and, and the thing is, uh, uh, on top of that, it's the music as well. It's just so diverse. You know, you've got, um, obviously there's, there's rap and hip hop in it, but, um, you get into the second act, you start getting into like more, uh, Broadway jazz. You start getting into just jazz generally. Um, some of the songs have more of a pop feel, like a Beatles influence, which is more of a King. Uh, so there's, there's such a scope of music. Something for um, everyone. And something for everyone, literally. And in the show, you play the title role of Alexander Hamilton, yes. which yes. was written for and originally played by the creator of the show, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Tell us, were those some intense boots to fill? <laughs> How was that pressure? Yeah, I, at f first, um, I did kind of feel that pressure um, and not necessarily uh, on my own, like, you know, not my own internal pressures. Um, I guess it was more so uh, the outside world, you know, I mean, people, um, do like to compare and that's fair enough. And I, mean, I know people like to, um, look at what, um, came before, um, as a, as a blueprint for what is about to arrive, mm -hmm. um, which is, which is fair enough. And I totally understand that. Um, but it did sort of mess with my head a little bit. It's not something that I've had to deal with in the past. Um, so it took a second for me to be like, look, it, it actually doesn't really matter. Um, Obviously, Lynn is amazing at the role and he is going to be amazing at the role because he wrote the show. He mm. knows what he wants from it. Um, so it's, uh, you know, easier for him to get into the mindset of what he's looking for because he wrote it. Mm. Um, so in my in my mind, I look at it as uh, not necessarily filling shoes, but creating my own. And so what kind of, um, have the, are there any kind of like tangible adaptions or changes that you've made kind of, yeah, really make that role your own? Not, not entirely. I'd probably say the most major thing is I tried um, my hardest to make uh, Hamilton as like like uh, empathetic as I could mm -hmm. at the start of the show, um, show a bit more of an emotional scope, uh, just to help the audience sort of like get on side with him at first, you know, because <clears throat> he can be, he can be pretty intense. He can be pretty, he can be pretty arrogant. So there was a fine line of like that arrogance and then making him, uh, you know, likable and believable um, to an international audience as well. Mm -hmm. You know, also Australia is not America either. Um, and getting the audience on the side so that on, in Act 2 we can start breaking some hearts. So, Do you know if Lin-Manuel Miranda's ever seen you play the role? Has he ever been in the audience for one of your performances? He has, yeah, um, in Brisbane, when we did the show in Brisbane. That's awesome. So yeah, he's he still travelling around and enjoying the performances. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, look, if you can get a free trip to Brisbane or to anywhere, I'd, I'd take it. If yeah. I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> free trip to Brisbane and go and see Hamilton. That's a win-win. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> and obviously, so the show is about American history and it began in America on Broadway and it has traveled yeah, yeah. this instance in London and now internationally with Australia and uh, the Philippines and the UAE. And they're... These audiences don't, don't necessarily know the American history. It's not taught to them in school mm. the same way it is to an American audience. Um, and so for you taking on the role, what kind of, did you feel a pressure to kind of read up on American history before taking taking the role? I did. I actually, um, funnily enough, uh, who was in the audience last night, Ron Chernow, who wrote the biography that the musical was uh, based on. Um, and he was in the audience last night, which was kind of cool. So um Hopefully I get to speak to him at some point. But um, I did read uh, the vast majority of that book. I think I got to about halfway through the show starts to take on its own life mm -hmm. um, or, or its own version of history. And at that point, it kind of, from from my 
be anyway from an acting perspective it feels like it's kind of pointless to unless I just wanted to for my own sake read up on it just for fun Mm -hmm. um for work purposes um I have to go with the version of history that I'm given which is what the show does right um so yeah I did read up to a point uh most of my stuff focused on early life um just from psychological perspective that seems to formulate who people are Mm -hmm. um as adults so um I looked at you know his relationships there the fact he didn't have a family that kind of plays into things and kind of makes sense if you look at how his relationships played out um yeah so for me it was like early life and looking at like how early life psychology can affect you as an adult um which was good for me as well personally but like from an acting perspective that (laughs) that helped to formulate the character um as realistically as I possibly could and we've had a um you've touched on the um variety of genres that the Mm. show kind of encompasses um there's most kind of famously the um hip-hop and rap which is a very big part of the the score and isn't kind of most traditionally affiliated with musical theater did that style of music come naturally to you is that um music that you've kind of performed and worked with in the past or was that a bit of a departure no it is um and not in a music theater sense um in musicals again this is like one of two shows, ironically, the other one was written also by Lynn, um, that have this style of music in it, um, or one of two shows that I know of. I'm sure there's more. Uh, but, yeah, from a music theatre perspective, so acting while rapping um, was new to me, uh, but rapping generally wasn't new because uh, I was a part of quite a few bands, uh, you know, when I was in my, like, late teens, early 20s um, in Australia, uh, when I was trying to, you know, just earn money doing gigs. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was in like hip hop, R&B bands. So I used to do um, rap along with that as well. Um, so it's not entirely new to me, no. That was definitely part of my life. My sister used to listen to it all the time as well. So um, I was versed in a lot of the the, the classics, as you would say. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I yeah, it's definitely been a part of my life for a very long time. Uh, but acting while rapping, that was a new thing. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, <laughs> I'm sure it's new to like most yeah. people that take on the roles in Hamilton. Um, and then for sure. And to do a show uh, as like many nights on the row as you do in musical theatre, there's obviously a pretty in- intense like physical training that you have to do. So what kind of training do you take on to be able to be in like the kind of acting, moving, dancing to be in shape for the role and performing every night? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's like, because the show is so specific, I actually think it's just like a happy accident if you happen to have the skill set to do it. Um, Like it's, there's no, I'm sure schools are doing it now, uh, but back in the day there was no like real training for rapping while singing. Uh, Patter was the closest thing and that's still quite different. Um, And especially for a whole show. So that, like, in terms of training, there wasn't really anything that sort of prepared for that. I guess uh, when I got the role, I kind of just tried to look at it like spoken verse, you know, like, or like, you know, slam poetry or something like that. I just tried to look at it like, how can I put this across in a way that makes narrative sense, mm-hmm. but also pays respect to like rapping generally. Um and that's not to say that all the characters rap, just to be clear. Um, you know, I, Hamilton, my character, just happens to rap most of the time. So, like, 90% of my show is rapping. Um, for everyone else, there's they, they they drop in and out of rapping. It's mostly singing for other people. Um, 
so yeah, the, like a specific training, there isn't really one. We just have like six weeks of rehearsals, mm-hmm. um, which is still longer than the standard, which is usually four weeks. Um, and most of that time is doing just act one. Act one takes about four weeks to put on its feet. So um, it yeah, and then two weeks for, for act two. Um, oh, wow. So if that's, there's a lot of moving elements and moving parts in act one okay. uh, that can cause it to be quite uh, dangerous if you don't do it right. The inner workings are interesting. Um, so then yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the Etihad Arena, the where the show is being staged? And so mm. you've, you've it's great. It's it's awesome. I um, So this is the second time uh, we've done the show in an arena setting. Um, I think this time it's a lot more intimate, which is nice. Um, it still keeps the flavor of it being... Um, Uh, well, a musical, Mm -hmm. Uh, but also it has a concert feel because it's got the vastness of it being in an arena. Mm -hmm. Um, So at the same, so it's doing two things at once, which is kind of cool. You know, the sound is like, it's, it's pumping. So like, (laughs) it feels like a concert. Um, So it's great for us on the stage because we have a lot of feed, like um, uh, audio feedback of what it feels like out in the audience, which is nice. and yeah, it's just been laid out really nicely. I mean, it's the first time that I've ever performed a musical, and then there's like box seating in the top, in the top like <laughs> portion of the thing. There's people like you know having a drink and like standing up watching the show. I think that was that was the coolest thing I thought because I've never I've never ever performed a show and there's been box seating. Yeah, this is like a mixture of musical theatre and also kind of like a little taste of what Taylor Swift is getting every night on the Eras tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the smallest taste. Yes. <laughs> I am yes. extremely excited about coming to the show. I'm coming next week and we've got some uh journalists from the team coming down tonight i believe to get a bit of a preview of this show so that's cool awesome super exciting thank you so much for your time it's been great chatting to you all good and that's been great thank you thank you i hope everything goes well and we're back hi Hi. (laughs) (laughs) great interview oh thank you so much i'm so excited i'm gonna see the show when it's Next week or week after. Have you got yeah. tickets? I got tickets. I got them like when they first, it's for my friend's birthday. So we're going to go and we're going to read. I'm really excited. I've never seen it. I know nothing about Hamilton. I'm like 1% of the global world that knows nothing about Hamilton. Yeah, you're the person I referenced that lives under a rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> I have seen, I've seen it in, I've seen it in person in oh. London on the West End and I've seen it on Disney+. Plus. Oh, it's amazing. I, I, I heard that Disney Plus one was great. Yeah, that's but... the original Broadway cast with like with Lim, the, yeah, Lim with, Manuel Miranda and yeah it's you're gonna really enjoy it I'm really it. excited Might have got one tip okay good Tell do me. a little bit of reading about American history the real guy just yeah not even just about because I they it does do a kind of chronology of American history and I think the first time I saw it I was like what yeah because <laughs> I don't know anything I know a bit about the civil war but before then I know nothing it's about the founding fathers and uh, the kind of beginnings of the American government as it is today. Okay, cool. Which sounds quite dry, but it is the opposite of dry. I've heard <laughs> this. I've heard this. So yeah, I'll, I'll, that's great. Actually, I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's my tip for everyone. Thank Free you. Free Hamilton. Go do some reading. Go, go learn some <laughs> history. <laughs> but now, we have to talk about what's probably been the highlight of my week. And my week. Well, it was your birthday yesterday. Can we shout that oh, out? Oh, yes. It was my... <laughs> Yeah, uh, my birthday last week was also a highlight. I forgot it was my birthday, actually. Until so, like, oh, happy birthday. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> it was my birthday. But birthdays aside, mm-hmm. the Emmys. The Emmys. In many ways, everyone's birthday. Everyone, yeah. <laughs> Award season is everyone's birthday. Oh, it really is. So they were on Tuesday morning, our time, but Tuesday... Monday night. Monday night. For US. US, yeah. And you and I were both up bright and early and writing about them, mm-hmm. which was... I, re- I genuinely really enjoy it. I, I, about all season. I love it. 
I love it. I mean, I I love more the social aspect of it and what happens that we can't expect. Yeah. As well as like the awards. Yeah, the what the uh, like the awards are yeah, they're, they're great, but they they're aren't great, the most interesting. But they part. aren't the most interesting part, no. Should we clarify something that's being a bit confusing about the Emmys? Yeah. They were the 2023 Emmys, not the 2024 Emmys. We will still have them. So in September, the Emmys that we just had were delayed because of the because writer of the strikes and the actor strikes. So they were meant to take place in September, like right in the heat of the strikes. So they were delayed until January in the thick of film award season. Mm. So these are all television and they do a year of television from halfway through 2022 to 2023. So that kind of makes hopefully some context for like where the big winners kind of fit in yeah. and why we're probably going to speak about the Emmys twice this year. Yeah, because <laughs> it's going to be again in September. Yeah. Yeah. It, it'll come around again faster than we know it. So what was the highlight for you? Should we start with red carpet? Because <laughs> you did a great story on the red carpet. Yeah, so I did the fashion analysis. Yeah. And I, I do, I really like writing about red carpet fashion because it kind of, it's, Interesting for me when I find it boring, and it's interesting mm. for me when I love it. it. This year wasn't. I'll be. It's not. It wasn't my favorite. Mm. Mm. I have a hot take on that. Do you want to tell us now? Yeah. <laughs> so I've noticed since last year that the red carpets have become more and more kind of not dull, but very safe, like black and white outfits. Everyone or like, was in black and white. Yeah. Or like one like bright red thing, and it's like all the silhouettes are even like very like. Um, trumpet or these mermaid silhouettes or like a plain A-line. And I think, this is my crazy theory, is I think stylists and celebrities are scared to wear anything that's too out there in case they become a meme. Oh. Yeah, I feel like we don't want to be a meme. We want to just look elegant and on our night. you are so embedded in meme culture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember last year, the woman who had that big thing in the Oscars, nobody could see behind her. She became oh, like yeah, an everyone. instant meme. Or then there's the opposite. There's this people that people don't know that stylists want to turn yes. into a meme and they make a statement through fashion. But the people that we all know the names of, yeah, they play it. But I also will say that I think a lot of particularly actresses have been playing it safe for like the last they have been. five plus years. I really think it's because they're scared of becoming memes. I really believe it's that. And I'm, I'm here for the girls. I'm always here for the girls. <laughs> but when it comes to red carpet fashion, I prefer actors at the moment. Yeah, I mean, still with the actors, I feel like, okay, I'm, I'm wearing a skirt. I'm so different, cool mm -hmm. Harry Styles. That's not, like, that's not that. Like, Timothy Chalamet um, in a halter neck wasn't for me. No, but I liked mm -hmm. the host, Anthony Anderson. Yeah. I like what he wore. Like, he had cool embellished, like, embroidered, sorry, flowers. Yeah, he um, was wearing flowers. a it was beauty, cool. I think it was velvet and embroidered. And yes. then um, Donald Glover was wearing something quite similar in, like, slightly smaller embroidery. Also, like, a texture suit, which I really liked. Yeah. Um, if I like, I had a few favorites that I liked. Tell me, let's see if we match because I have a few favorites as well. I did like Selena Gomez. She was wearing Oscar oh, de la Renta, and I thought she looked a lot more comfortable at the Emmys than she did at the Golden Globes. I think because she had her plus one there with her, that her new official boyfriend. At the Golden Globes, she was with Taylor Swift, so oh, she must okay. have been <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, her look was it was was nice. What did you think of Suki Waterhouse in her Valentino with I, her bump? I wasn't a fan. Like I felt like she could have done something cooler with the bump. Like I felt like the bow tie with the strap was like all a bit too much. I didn't yeah. even recognize her, to be honest. Like even the hair, I don't know. I just wasn't a big fan. I will enjoy anything in Valentino red. So that was a tick for me. Mm. And it kind of did fit into our, yeah, there's a lot of red on the red carpet. Yeah. Um, did you enjoy uh, Sarah Snook from Succession in her uh, Vivian Westwood gown? Um, I love Vivian Westwood, so yes, but it wasn't in my top. You know who I did love, even though it's really cliche. Um, Ortega, 
She oh, was yeah. in a Jenna Ortega and Christian, Christian Dior, Dior yeah. and like that whole sheer with embellishment things is like really popular now. But I think it she would she looked she's always very wearing very dark things, so it was nice seeing. Her it was in something. a safe gown, but it was quite fairy tale, and like you yes. say, a departure from her Wednesday character. Yeah, exactly. My favorite was. Ayo Edibiri. I hope I've said her name correctly. Oh my God, the the bubble leather Louis Vuitton yeah, thing. Yeah, it was perfect. Yes, it was really good. It was like really cool, fun, but also like like really elegant. Yeah. I am, is it, I'm about to contradict myself. Okay. Buckling. <laughs> if I never see another strapless dress on oh. a red carpet, I'm fine. I'm yeah. done. I'm ready for us to leave behind those, those, those yeah. entire genre gown, even though Ayo's was was strapless. strapless. It, it was, was different. It was different. It was cool. And I, I yeah. It, it was like structured it really, in a bubble like you described it. And it fit her personality, which yeah. which I like. The um and then there was a lot of like big celebrity moments during the ceremony. Yes. I which mean, you got to write about. I got to write about, which I loved. I mean my favorite was um Christina Applegate. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know Christina Apple, Christina Applegate was um diagnosed with MS yeah. uh, last year, I think, during the last season of her show, Dead to Me. I don't Dead know exactly me. when she was diagnosed, but I know it's when she kind of started talking about it. Yes. And um, and she has she went on stage to present the award for, like, I think, Best um, Lead Actress in a Comedy. And she was holding a cane and she looked visibly different, obviously. And she was also escorted by um, the host, Anthony, to go on stage. And she got a standing ovation. I mean, for those of you who don't know, Christian Applegate has been huge for a year. She started acting when she was an infant. Yeah, so that was like during the during the show, they did a bit of a look back at her yeah. <laughs> career. Yeah. Um, footage of her as a baby in... On Days of Our Lives or one of these yeah. operas. And then on uh, Married with Children. And like, she's she's great. And what was so funny is that when everybody... And this shows you what a, what a comedic talent she is, right? So everybody stood up and started giving her a standing ovation and she said something along the lines of like, you know, you're all standing up and you're shaming my disability. Yeah, you're a bit, yeah. <laughs> Which was hilarious. And then she made a joke about losing weight. Yeah, and she was like, body not biozempic. Which, Which is... We so, can't make any claims. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Don't get a shut down. <laughs> but it was just, it's just a, a cool... F- it just shows you like how she's able to make fun of herself and make fun yeah. of the situation and also be touched. I, I loved that. Yeah. I loved that. Another highlight. Nisi Nash who won uh, for her, the show that she was on, Dahmer, which is about the Netflix show, The Serial Killer, which you've seen, right? Uh, Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like true crime. I'm not not a fan. (laughs) But we'll talk about that in a minute. But I was going to say, I loved her speech because, you know, it was very emotional. Mm -hmm. And it was also kind of funny because halfway through, she was like, you know, I really want to thank myself. I love that. I love that. You know, she took a minute to thank herself and, you know, tell thank herself for being there and for doing all the hard work and telling all the beautiful people in her own words that, you know, I did that. You know, I did all of this. I think there's like not enough people that are like, hi, this was my work. Yeah, <laughs> I did this. I'm I did here. This. I persevere. Obviously, there's a lot of people around you. It takes, it takes a village, et cetera, mm. et cetera. But you have to back yourself a bit. And yeah. I love that. I liked that energy. Same. Very just, Snoop Dogg energy. He did that for his um, Hollywood Walk of Fame <laughs> Typical, what I want to thank me. This is actual word. So I love that. I love that vibe and I hope it, it keeps going. Yeah. Yeah. The, obviously, the night belonged to two shows. Yes. The, the Bear, my fave. And they won everything. Yes. And Succession, right? Which, so The Bear won everything in the comedy character, in The Bear won everything in the comedy ca- category, which might be a surprise. Have you watched The Bear? I haven't. I know, you keep and telling I'm obsessed me. With it. And yeah, and I, I, it's on my list. Don't go into it thinking it's a lol a minute. That, it might have won every comedy award, but that is not a big laugh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there okay. are laughs, but it isn't a big laugh show. So potentially, but it, there are there are 
comedic moments for Mo- sure. Yeah. Um, and then Succession obviously just cleaned the board in the drama categories. I'm not surprised. I mean, it was last season. It's like a well-loved show. It was huge. Huge. And I mean, those two shows I haven't seen, mm-hmm. but watching the Emmys, I was like, I need to watch these shows. I need to be in the digest. I need to understand what's you happening. definitely have to watch. I would watch Succession first. I mean, it's long. Mm, the Bears more of a quick watch. That's two seasons, half an hour. I need to get out of my real uh, real housewives bubble and experience the real world. If and you would. Just, yeah, <laughs> if you don't mind. <laughs> that and romantic comedies need to just go on a side. I need to like enter the real They'll world again. They'll be there waiting for they you will when be. you come they back. They will be. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I need to. Yeah, and so Succession's big winner of the night was Kieran Culkin. Yes. Um, for those of you who don't know, I used to think of him as Macaulay Culkin's little brother. He's his own person, but in my head, he's always Macaulay Culkin's That is what brother. he is. He is. Um, and he had two great moments uh, on on the stage, sort of. One was this like hilarious fake feud he's having with Pedro Pascal, if yeah. I pronounce his name. And the Golden Globes, when Kieran won um, in the same category as Pedro, he said... Um, Haha, I beat you, Pedro, something along those lines. Mine, and he was holding the the globe close to his chest. So in this in this in the Emmys, when Pedro was up on stage to present an award, he had his arm in a sling. Uh, since the Golden Globes, and he was like, "I need." He said it very seriously. I need to tell everybody, like, um, Kieran has beat the out of me. This is why yeah, my arm is like, yeah, he's beat me up. <laughs> we'll paraphrase. We'll paraphrase. That's why my, and what's hilarious is when the camera panned to Kieran, he had this like deadpan, straight, oh, yeah. serious face, like, yeah, I did that, you know, which is such a great moment. Like, I love it when actors just are in the moment and, and they do stuff. Yeah. yeah. So that was hilarious. And then when Kieran won for succession and he yes. was on stage, it was such a sweet moment. Maybe if you're a wife, not so sweet. I don't know. Uh, and he was like thanking his wife. Thank you, Jazz. Thank you, you know, for I love our two kids. And by the way, Jazz, I want more kids. Which is quite a big declaration. Exactly. And he's like, it, you told me maybe if I win, I'll get more. And she was laughing. But who knows? Like that car ride back home. You embarrassed me. I don't want more <laughs> no, she kids. She seemed pretty, pretty touched pretty by it. Chilled. So there was like, no. And so yeah, nice. big life. Yeah, he won Best Actor. So... I don't want to do like succession spoilers for anyone that hasn't watched it, including you. But basically, the only awards that like succession lost to, I think, were ones that they had like multiple nominees in. So they so they basically like they cleaned the board. Then that might not be a hundred percent accurate, but like pretty much all their losses were like against themselves. Got you. And um not a bad way to lose. Not a bad way to lose. Mm. And then so there's in succession, there are three brothers. Yes. And one sister. I know the, I know you the, know the premise. Yeah, yeah, premise. And then so from the beginning, there's like one brother that everyone's kind of like really backing. Mm. And that's Kendall, mm-hmm. played by Jeremy Strong. And in 2020, that was like his year. He won like every TV oh. award. And then as the show developed, there's becomes, another brother yeah. that who's Roman, um, who's played by um, Keenan Culkin. He's always like, a player, like not like a player, mm. but he's a player in the game. <laughs> um, and he's, uh, he at the beginning is a bit dismissed. And he is he the gets, youngest brother in the sh- Yeah. Okay. And he gets um, stronger as, and like more business minded, but mm, he is still kind arc. of, yeah. Mm. And so it is, it kind of mirrors the TV show that he is the one who's like come out on top oh, this year, right. beating Jeremy Strong, who did not go to the Globes. Oh. Oh, he didn't? He did definitely go to the Emmys. He was not there. Oh, interesting. <laughs> um, is there a drama about why? I think there was some. Uh, I, I don't know if it's drama about why he didn't go, but I know that the, there's he was a set? real... Um, oh, method actor. Method. I've, I've read about this, yes. And Brian Cox has sort of said that he was method. Yeah. 
And so there's maybe like rumors that he wasn't the easiest to work with, but he did the job. He did it well. So you got to back that. Yeah. We've just been hyping other actors that do it. So mm. um, I don't really get method acting. I just don't understand it. I know that. What's his name? Who I love. Daniel Marlon Brando. He's like started this whole method acting right, thing. Okay. And yeah. then Daniel Day-Lewis is obviously like a very vocal advocate of method acting. Yeah. It seems a bit strange to me, but as an idea, but I'm not an actor, so what do I know? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Would you not fully commit yourself to anyone? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then obviously there was like the nice moment when Matthew Perry mm. was honored. Well, in among, the memoriam, among other people, yeah. which was shocking because I didn't realize we'd lost a lot of um, actors and personalities over the last year, like Barbara Walters. I thought that was like much longer. I didn't realize it was over the last year. Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was a or sad, somber within, moment. Like, the Emmys window. Yes, Emmys window here. But yeah, it was a sad, somber moment. And they were playing the um, the Friends theme tune. Yeah, like, a more stripped down. Yeah, yeah. It, was it was sad. Do we want to do some of your man about town, man about towning? Yes, man you have about towning. Been out. I have been out and about. I'm here. I'm there. I'm everywhere. <laughs> I want to talk about my one of my favorite galleries in Dubai, the Third Line in Esakat Avenue. They always have brilliant shows. So currently, right now, they have two separate shows in one space. Downstairs, right. they have a show by um, Puran Jinshi, who is an Iranian American artist. Mm -hmm. She's amazing. So she, her work is influenced by climate change, specifically the story of a Guatemalan farmer mm -hmm. who had to leave his land because of climate change. Oh, okay. And the show is called, um, it's a great name, Fly Like Dandelions. And she takes, she paints these um, landscapes, very eerie, but very beautiful. And they're sort of like I would call them like ghost landscapes. It's kind of like what happens to the landscapes after really bad climate change. So you have all of these trees that have no leaves and they're very dark. And it's like sort of like a night kind of, it's a night sky. And it kind of reminds me of, uh, this is a very mainstream reference, but very Tim Burton-like um, vibe. Mm -hmm, yeah. It feels like you're, and it's also, the way she paints is like illustration. It's a, it's, it's a very illustrative way of painting. So it feels like you're reading, or you're looking at the illustrations of a folk tale about a world that has, you know, been destroyed because of climate change. Okay. So if, it, and also when you're looking at the paintings, they feel 3D. You're like, oh, these trees are kind of coming out. But when you go really close, you see she uses different shades of black and different shades oh. of ink in a very clever create way. That create that depth in that three, 3D. So it, it mixes all of these different references, like sort of like a childlike way of approaching illustrations, but also it has this like layer deep meaning, which is, you know, really sad about climate change. And it's based on a real story, mm -hmm. you know? So I think you guys should watch the sh watch the show. Watch the, go to the exhibition and see it because it's just, it's a stunning exhibition, but also it has a lot of layers to its meaning as well. And you get two exhibitions for the price of one. Yes, exactly. Which is free because these exhibitions Yeah, are, I was going to get that. Are, are yeah. free. The second exhibition is In by um, Cameron... Samimi, who is an Iranian Norwegian artist who was raised in Hawaii. Wow. Yeah. And so he came to the UAE for, I think, three weeks and he spent time in the desert and um, sort of experiencing and observing the UAE landscape. And he created really interesting work. So he created some massive paintings and these he got these rocks from the UAE and I don't know how he did it, but they're like vertically sitting on top of each other and they're like defying gravity, quote from Wicked. So he came here short term. Yes. Inspired, was he, did he come here with the view to create work or was he just inspired when no, he was no, here? No, no, he came here to, to, with the view, with the view to create work based okay. on the UAE landscape. And he re, 
presented the UAE or he sort of reimagined the UAE in particular parts of the mountain landscape, the color of the sand, the earth, in these rocks, as well as these paintings. Some of them are like sort of close-ups of, you know, when you cut through a rock or through mud and you have these like sort of layers yeah. of like different colored clay. He sort of, I think he sort of took those colored uh, or stages or phases and sort of um, magnified them mm-hmm. uh, on these massive um, canvases. So it's a really interesting look or perspective of the UAE landscape from somebody who, you know, doesn't live here, has never been here before, and is reimagining them using his own perspective. So I really like that. I love seeing other people's perspective of the UAE because, you know, for somebody who lives here and grew up here, you kind of would not see UAE in that in that yeah. way. Not to say we take it for granted, but it's just yes. that you don't notice it's those fine details. Exactly. Yeah. But it's a very, it's a, his, his, work is really beautiful. Like these rocks, they're just stunning how he's put them. And then he paints gold inside some of the um, cracks of the rock. So it's kind of like taking these very natural things and, you know, gold comes from the earth and sort of making these comments about them. I don't know. I think it's a stunning There's that Japanese practice where you mend things with gold. Yes. If it breaks, you mend it with gold because you're better once you're broken and put back together. Beautiful sentiment. That is a beautiful sentiment. Yeah. And then what else have we got? So there's lots of stuff that's coming up. So Dubai Opera House ha- is having a show for three days from the 27th to the 25th to the 27th, I think. Okay. Uh, the Little Prince. I don't right. know how to pronounce it in French. Le Petit Prince. <laughs> do you know the Do you know the story? Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. Child sto- yeah. Children's story children's about like an astronaut who's like traveling around the galaxy and meets like a prince of a little planet. I'm not really familiar with the tale, mm-hmm. but it's very visually the the, the 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 children's illustrations are always very visually appealing. So this show in the Dubai Opera House is kind of mixes. Um, it's kind of like Cirque du Soleil, but it's not from them. It's like acrobatics and music oh, and light. So it's not like a yeah yeah. So it's not like a dialogue kind of show. It's like a very sort of like immersive. Uh, expressive performance kind of show. super family friendly then. Very family friendly. Ah, nice. Yeah. And that's next week. That's next week. Okay. Awesome. Uh, And there's also some really cool stuff that's going to be happening next week that I'm going to talk about. So I'm going to keep everybody in suspense. Yeah, go and see it this week and then come back and tell us everything. Exactly. So um, watch the space. (laughs) (laughs) That's it from us uh, today here at the studio. So thanks for listening. And if you like this podcast, please like and subscribe on your choice of app and tell all your friends and family about us. Bye.